When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now you can bet on any NFL game this week with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers betting just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. Just remember to use the code PHNX when you sign up. Cheers to Susel here with Johnny Venerable. And Johnny, before we get into it, I can't confirm I spoke with Frank this afternoon and he says Good. he is still very much committed to getting a Cliff Kingsbury tattoo sometime this week and he's willing to do it live. So we are in the process of getting all of the logistics figured out and are hoping that hopefully on Friday we're going to be live with uh, Frank out at a tattoo studio to step tattoo parlor. Well, that's that's good. I know there were some issues potentially with like doing it live on camera and in the studio. And we want to make sure that we don't get PHNX shut down as a result of this. So I think it's better to err on the side of caution. Right. It's it's going to be televised. Right. It's going to be recorded so people can see it. And knowing Frank is a man of his word, immense character. Uh, we knew he would fall through. <laughs> Hell, he was, he was tweeting out like pictures of what he thought it would look like, like Sunday morning. So if he really wanted to escape this, he would have probably tried to minimize it. But no, he's he's all in, which is great. Well, I made sure that he knew that nobody was pressuring him to do it. I was like, Frank, like if like, please don't feel like anyone's trying to pressure you to get the tattoo. And he was like, no pressure, no pressure. I'm in. Yeah. I was like, okay. So yeah, I was originally looking for like tattoo artists that could come to you. And I was like, Oh wait, that's kind of illegal. Yeah. Let's not do that. I <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just play it safe. We'll get it recorded. We'll broadcast it all good. Still the same effect. All right. Well, I think everybody is still riding the high from that thrilling win yesterday. Just, you could tell from the coaching staff to the players down to the fan base, everybody is just so excited with what they were able to do shorthanded and the manner in which they crushed the 49ers. Yeah. I was telling Shane on the bet show today, like I am emotionally spent after that, that game yesterday, we're recording this full transparency on a Monday. Cherson, uh, you and I are at the studio. I was at the studio for like 12 hours yesterday and I went through, like so many of you, all these kind of emotions of like, 
I think it'll be close to, I think they're going to get blown out to, I think I'll put money on the Niners to Colt McCoy is actually going to play because, you know, I, I kind of, we reported that we didn't think Murray and, and Hopkins were going to play. And then I didn't really want to believe that until the inactives came out. And so like many of you, like I'm constantly refreshing my Twitter Shane and I went out for for lunch during the early games, and I'm like, where the hell are the inactives? So, you know, and then, of course, they play a magnificent game, and Kingsbury's phenomenal. And, you know, you, we go about our post-game show, and I write my article. I'm just like, wow, that was a that was a lot of football to take in. And thank goodness, because we had been waiting like 10-plus days after that Packer game to celebrate something like that. And for, for whatever reason, like this victory Monday feels different because – it came against a division rival and you put to bed really any kind of second guessing that could arise from, yeah, they're going to fall apart not only because they don't have Kyler Murray, but they were maybe exposed against green Bay. I heard that a lot. It's just, it was a, a gratifying victory because I think it encompassed, encompassed the, the Kingsbury culture that he's embedded. And, you know, I put this in my articles the first time really he's gotten to showcase his offensive acumen and his offensive structure without Murray's a safety net and he passed with flying colors. It was fantastic. Yeah. That was something that we actually talked about early in the season. If, if Kyler was, was a safety net for cliff even getting to this point. And I think everybody was like, Oh heck yeah. But <laughs> maybe the tables are starting to turn and we're giving cliff a little more credit or credit is due here. But Yeah, I think we all were like, yeah, definitely sit Kyler. That's the thing to do. We all have confidence in Colt. But then when the inactives hit, it was like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. It's it's happening. happening. (laughs) But Colt just, he showed up and he couldn't have played better. His 22 of 26 uh, passes, that's number two all time in a single game for a single game completion percentage in Cardinals franchise history, which is incredible. Uh, He didn't turn the ball over, you know, led the offense to 31 points. You couldn't have asked for anything more out of Colt. And he was so humble and excited during the post game and just giving credit to everybody around him and the coaching staff. And, you know, he didn't even know, you know, we're talking about how, you know, Fans, media members, etc. I didn't know until the inactives hit who really was for sure going to be the quarterback. Well, but he was talking about, you know, he went into Friday and Saturday and by the time Saturday hit, it was it didn't even have to be spoken. He just kind of knew that he was going to be the guy. But like there was never a definitive, hey, we're sitting you down. You're the guy. Kyler's not going to go on. I think they were even leaving it open ended in case something had changed or, you know, you know, day by day really was almost a game time decision for everybody involved. Yeah. You know what? And I thought it was interesting. Colt said after the game, he had a great quote. He was like, you know, if I didn't think I could still play in this league, I wouldn't be playing. And there were a lot of people, especially nationally that said, the Cardinals are, are essentially throwing this game because they're starting Colt McCoy. And, you know, we're paying attention of what this team thought of the 35-year-old in the offseason, the priority they made to get him in early March, or I should say early in free agency, how efficient he looked in the preseason. And then, you know, he had another great line. He's like, I'm not – I know I'm not Kyler Murray. But to Kingsbury's credit, like, he didn't ask him to be Kyler Murray. He just asked him to operate – his offense doing what he believes 
he's effective at working off a of play action, utilizing the the short to intermediate passing game to great effect. I mean, uh, he was precise with his throws. I don't remember any kind of errant throw from Colt McCoy yesterday. He had four incompletions. And for the, for the large majority of those 22 completions, he, he completed over 80% of his throws. It's unbelievable. And you could say, well, his, his yards per attempt, yards per completion probably wasn't that high. It was almost 10. It was higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. So to me, uh, I expected him to play well. I thought the offense would be efficient. I did not expect this. Uh, they had five scoring drives in the first, like, two and a half quarters. And then they kind of coasted toward the end. there, trying to eat clock. But, I mean, man, I, I tweeted out a play. Cheers, I don't know if you ch- chance to, to see it or not. But it was that play where the Cardinals were kind of backed up in their own territory. He evades, like, two guys in the pocket, doesn't look to run, doesn't look to throw the ball away, keeps his eyes downfield, hits Antoine Wesley downfield, and and Wesley picks up a, a big first down, and the Cardinals subsequently score on that drive. To me, I just – you can't ask for anything more. It was like a Drew Stanton-esque performance for the Arizona Cardinals that they haven't really received since Stanton and Arians were here. This is what you want for your backup quarterback. You don't want him consistently playing every week, right? Because then they get exposed. We know what Colt McCoy is when he's asked to play 10, 12, 14 games. But in this scenario where you're, you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm Cliff Kingsbury and I'm going to empty the chamber on one Sunday and I have an opportunity to have the trick play with Christian Kirk and I can run a bunch of screens and I can lean on a run game. That works. And that's the sign of, of a great coaching combination with a veteran quarterback, knows, understands his role and played. I thought he played near flawless football. Yeah, yeah. like I said, a, a single-game completion percentage that we haven't seen since a guy by the name of Kurt Warner was the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. So couldn't have asked for more out of out of him. And, you know, we were asking Cliff Kingsbury for an update on Kyler today. He said he doesn't have a feel for it just yet. They're going to have to see how he looks when they get it back to practice on Wednesday. Cole McCoy was on the Rich Eisen show today and said that he feels like Kyler is probably going to get the the uh, the start on Sunday versus the Panthers, but he will quote circle the wagons if he's called upon for a second straight start. Which I guess that's got to be like a Texas thing. Everybody, yeah, everybody uh, uh, um, relates that to the Buffalo Bills as something that they say, but it's got to be a Texas thing because he said that multiple times in the last couple of Wagons and horses and cowboy hats. I was trying to throw in like Wrangler for Sunday's post-game show and Cheerson wisely shot that down. So yeah, we can we can own all these things as long as Colt McCoy's the quarterback. And then when Kyler comes back, it's, it's we're buttoned up again. We're professional. Yeah, but hey, you know, the Panthers are a struggling team if they – if Kyler's unable to go and, you know, Colts their guy for another week, I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. And I don't think the line's going to change as much this time either with Kyler no. being out. No, uh, Carolina's great defensively. We'll talk about it this week. But, man, they have a hot mess of an offense, start with their quarterback position. And and the Cardinals have shown, like, no matter who's out there right now, this team, Cliff, Kime, they're pushing all the right buttons. And I, I would expect anything less Sunday afternoon. Well, you touched on that trick play. Um, Christian Kirk passed to Antoine Wesley. Well, Gold McCoy gave some insight into that. They said they'd been practicing it for weeks, but it was originally designed for DeAndre Hopkins to throw it to A.J. Green. Obviously, both guys were out on Sunday, so... 
Christian Kirk, Antoine Wesley stepped in and were able to complete it. And that's just one example to point to where you're like, man, there's so much depth to this team and they're all on the same page for them to be able to pull off a play like that. And for it to be two guys that it wasn't designed for, they, they weren't the ones that were practicing it. I mean, they had it in their playbook and they had seen it, but those weren't the two guys that were practicing it. And they nailed it in that way. Wesley almost getting a touchdown on it. So impressive and very interesting to hear the details of that. Yeah, it, it's something that he's kept in his goodie bag for the perfect time. And you typically think like this kind of smoke and mirrors offense, you think of like Kyle Shanahan, right? Where it's like bubble screens and short passes to tight ends and fullbacks and running backs and trick plays. I've seen Debo Samuel throw the football. And it's like kind of Cliff Kingsbury. We talked about it last week, Jerson. Like I thought, you thought that this was a game where Kingsbury would relish the opportunity to put a staple on a division rival and a, a peer that most people think at least before this game was superior. And I, I think he, he wisely emptied his bag of tricks and said, I'm going to throw everything I can at this guy and his defense, because I know I'm just as good, if not better of a play caller right now in the NFL, certainly this season, right? He's pushing all the right buttons with his team to go out and have the foresight to get an Antoine Wesley. who's kind of a cast off, right? Spent some time with Baltimore was undrafted once upon a time, played for Cliff at Texas A&M. People really didn't think much of it. And then he like had a nice fourth down conversion against Green Bay. And it's like, oh, okay, he's going to play a little bit Sunday against San Francisco. I incorrectly thought we'd maybe see Andy Isabella. And then now you're at a pivotal point in the game where you have a 7 nothing lead. You're driving, and you give the ball to Christian Kirk, who we'll talk about here in a second, delivers a strike on the run. And that, again, you mentioned that that was supposed to go to Hopkins. Like, he looked like Hopkins on that play, went up kind of over a defender, pass was perfectly thrown, you know, almost scored a touchdown in the process. I just, the buy-in that this team has with Cliff and his philosophy offensively, I would be so fired up if I was a player because no singular guy is the focal point, right? Kyler Murray, Colt McCorn on Sunday, they're the maestros, the facilitators, but I mean, like, we can have a game where one of the four wide receivers breaks out or Zach Ertz can have a big play or one of the two running backs breaks out. And and to me, if I'm, if I'm looking one at of the three team running far, backs, right? Yes. <laughs> if I'm looking at this team from afar and I believe that's why they got AJ green to come play here and why Zach Ertz was excited about playing for Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury is diverse in his, his offensive structure where so many guys are given favorable matchups and so many guys are able to succeed that is that's a stark difference than a lot of teams in the NFL that are singularly reliant on like for instance Carolina on Sunday their their offense is not the same without Christian McCaffrey even though I, I think they have a lot of weapons so now kudos to Cliff because right now you look at this team and you just you have the utmost confidence that they're going to be able to put 30 points up no matter who dresses for them it's unbelievable no matter who dresses and no matter you know who doesn't have a good game, they're somehow yeah. consistently able to put up 30-plus points. There is one I could have done without the Strebler package on Sunday, but outside of that, I love what Cliff did. He can't, I love Cliff. He can't help himself. He's got a couple of those where it's just like, mm, don't do that, Cliff. Please no. <laughs> But hey, I'm glad Strebler was able to get in the game. So good for him. You wanted to talk about Christian Kirk today. You asked him uh, last week when we had him on the show about his him being in a contract year. And he sort of pivoted and said that it's his focus is on 
you know, on the team and winning a championship, but you dove into some numbers today. And so what did you find in terms of, you know, contracts around the league and, you know, kind of what we're looking at here with, with Christian Kirk. So it's funny, cheers. I posed the question to, you know, some folks on Twitter today, like, Hey, can the Cardinals really afford Christian Kirk? Who's 24 years old to hit free agency. Is that something that would be in their best interest? And if you would have asked this fan base, that question, let's say last January, I would say 80% of them would have said, move on, you know, damaged goods, fades at the end of the season, right? And then you look at this year, moving into his natural position of slot receiver. He's been complimented, I'm sure, by the likes of Rondell Moore and, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, A.J. Green on the outside. But, I mean, kudos to him in a contract year. He's on pace to lead the Cardinals just under 1,000 yards receiving and roughly eight or nine touchdowns. And I thought to myself, okay, we, we've talked about, you and I and, and Frank have talked about, okay, He's going to get paid by somebody else's offseason. It's a luxury. They drafted Rondell Moore. Maybe Wesley's in their plans now. They could get another receiver to go with Hopkins. A.J. Green's a free agent. Like They can't re-sign him, right? And then, especially when you have to consider the caveat, the cap's going up immensely because it didn't go up this past year, status quo, because of the pandemic. So teams are going to have more money to spend. And so that doesn't bode well for the Cardinals, who also, I don't know if you're aware of this, fans, but they have to pay Kyler Murray at some point, too. So Christian is going to command. I went to the folks overthecap.com, and they put a over-the-cap evaluation or valuation on a singular player's season. And right now, according to them, he's worth about $10 million in his production, right? It's pretty nice, considering the Cardinals are paying him just over $3 million. Real nice he for is, him. Yes, I misspoke. He's actually 25 now. He's not 24. He's 25. Still on the peak of emerging. And the second contract, you would assume, depending on where he lands, you're going to get the best version of Christian Kirk. Right now, he's blossoming, right? So, okay, so you, you figure, okay, he's going to want at least $10 million a year. I looked at the highest paid receivers in the NFL. The Cardinals have the highest paid by a gentleman uh, by the name of DeAndre Hopkins. His annual value is right around 27 per year on the contract itself. Not this year, but just total value. So then I started going down, and I looked at some of the names in the bottom half of the top 20. So somebody like Will Fuller is comparable in the sense that, like, can be hot and cold. They're not the same kind of receiver. Fuller is more of a burner, but Fuller is making about $10.6 million this year, but he took that contract after minimal interest in the offseason because of the pandemic. So it's a one-year deal. So he was hoping to pivot that into a big money deal next year. That's not going to happen. He's injured this year. I think the most likely comp for Christian in terms of how he'll be paid is somewhere between Tyler Boyd, who's making just under $11 million a year. And then I think like if some team gets really aggressive with Christian and there's going to be teams that are having a lot of money to throw around, Jarvis Landry is making right around $15 million a year. And you can mm. say to yourself, well, he's not Jarvis Landry. If he's right below that, which is like Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis, Robbie Anderson, you're looking at anywhere between 11 to $15 million. And I would think because of the increase in money, because of the, the, um, the, the influx of cap dollars, um, I think that I was looking for the word inflation with the position I think he's going to be looking for 13 to $15 million per season. So let's say, and he's probably going to want a five-year deal. So to round this out, you're probably looking at, and I'm not good with math, 
God help me off the top of my head, but like five years, $75 million for Christian Kirk. If let's say not only he has a thousand yards this year and 10 touchdowns, what if he's like supremely promising in the postseason and has a big catch? I mean, that resonates with a lot of teams. If the Cardinals want to, want to approach Christian's reps this off season, assuming he, he, he has to continue this, right? But man, it's hard not to watch him on Sunday and think, can the Cardinals really let this guy go? He needed to be great for them on Sunday. He was with a backup. He's immensely valuable this year as a slot receiver. He's one of the, the most productive at that position. 60, 65, $70 million this offseason coming to Christian Kirk, whether it's the Cardinals or somebody else. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to compete. I can't do math, so I'm just going to take your word for your your, your number. I use an online here. calculator. We're good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was I was just thinking about this when you were mentioning that. I wonder. I'm sure the guy wants to get paid, and he wants to feel like he's valued and respected. You know, when it comes to you know his monetary compensation. But I do know as well that he is really, really close with Larry Fitzgerald, a guy that he grew up idolizing. It was his favorite player, is now a big-time mentor. Larry was out at his camp a couple of weeks ago. And I wonder if there's any part of Christian who wants to be a guy like Larry who spends his whole career here in Arizona. He's Christian's a local guy. I wonder if they have the Cardinals have any of that in their favor where he might take and again, nothing that's gonna be disrespectful to to Christian, but I wonder if they might have a little bit of leeway in terms of him taking just a little bit less, if that would ma- even make a difference, because it might not you know, make much of a difference. But I wonder if he would, when it comes down to it, if he values staying here in Arizona, or if he's like, man, you know, I've been, you know, this is where I'm from. I've gotten the taste of playing for my hometown team. I want to get paid. I'm down for an adventure. Let's go somewhere else. It- it'll be interesting to see, you know, what ends up happening. Um, the Dolphins have $77 million in cap space. The Chargers, 75. The Jaguars, 66. Washington football team, 62. And I'm talking next January. The Cardinals are going to have right around $23 million to, to spend. And you can maneuver that. The number's going to inflate, you know, but for everybody, it's going to be very difficult. I, I, I do think that you bring up a good point. I think you have to be competitive in the NFC West would Sean McVay and Les Snead allow Christian Kirk to walk. I don't, I don't think they would, right. You, you pay your star players and you figure it out. And if you have to be right up, there's no luxury tax like there is in the NBA. But if you have, if you're Michael Bidwell and you have to be right up against it. I mean, the salary cap is kind of a myth in the NFL. I mean, goodness, the Rams, they make a joke of it every year and they still are able to move out and and bring in and and ship out pieces left and right to fit what they believe is a championship 53-man roster. So if if you're Steve Keim and you're like, this guy is only getting better and we groomed him and he's in a perfect role for us, like we should be the ones that have a crack at this guy. Because here's what I'll also say that you know, Kirk took a little while to develop. I think Rondell Moore is really kind of the outlier for Kime. He struggles to find receivers in the draft. Um, you know, up until this year, Kirk, you could argue, was a miss for him. You know, how many for for every Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk, there's been an Andy Isabella 
or Michael Floyd or a Keyshawn Johnson or a Hakeem Butler. The list goes on and on and on, right? They hadn't had an impact. Andre Roberts, they missed so many times. So when you finally have these guys and they gel with your quarterback, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think you have to find a way to keep them. You know, I've, I've had people ask me, do you franchise tag him? That would mean that he's he and DeAndre Hopkins are making the same amount of money next year. I'm not sure you could have that. No, uh, but that's not gonna happen. but you could you could figure something out. Hopefully that both parties are happy with. But I there he is going to have a feeding if he has the kind of successful season we're seeing right now. He is going to be one of the most prized free agent offseason acquisitions. Not only because of his numbers, but that prime age where teams feel like. They may be getting a bargain. This guy may be a consistent 1,000-yard receiver, so we'll just have to wait and see. And I'll also make one more comment. Unfortunately, the Cardinals have a long list of very important pieces that are either on their last year of their contract or came in on one-year deals that they're going to have to face and either lose some guys um, or, I mean, I think the the likelihood is that they are going to lose some of their key pieces to this team, which – makes it even more imperative that they win this year because it's not, yeah, it's so we don't care about not- that. That's people are listening to this screaming at us. We, we got to talk about it. It's important to have context, but they have them right now. That's important. Yeah. They've got them right now. That's the good part. And, um, but it does make you think when you, when you see a guy like Christian Kirk out there or Chandler Jones, et cetera, any of the number of guys who might not be on this team this year, it just makes you kind of wonder when you see them have kind of ball out and have great performances of like, Gosh, what's the likelihood that he's not going to be around? But savor all of it while we have it. Because, yeah, that is the good thing. We do have all those guys right now. Um, I also wanted to mention that today news broke that Chase Edmonds has a high ankle sprain and could potentially miss several weeks. Cliff Kingsbury said that he expects him to at least miss Sunday as game against the Panthers, and then they're going to kind of go from there. So he didn't commit to saying that he was going to be out multiple weeks, but that's definitely what is being reported right now. So, you know, obviously James Conner stepped up and he's quickly becoming a fan favorite here in Arizona and leads the league in touchdowns. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's a much of a concern. We all know what James Conner's capable of doing and, you know, Benjamin stepping in and scoring his first NFL touchdown, but you do hate to see one of your key pieces go down and especially, you know, a guy like Chase Edmonds, which could potentially be, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, I think the Cardinals have the depth to overcome it uh, because I just, and this is no disrespect to Chase, we saw it with Kenyon Drake and to a lesser extent David Johnson that this team is effective with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm running the football. And Kyler Murray is a big part of that. But as you could see on Sunday, I mean, it's Cliff is uh, really, really sharp at drawing up running plays that open gaps. And this offense is super, super um, multiple in, in how they run the football. It's not conventional. It's not smash mouth. They they fool you, right? They have Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk in motion. Um, they've got multiple tight ends. They they bring in a heavy tackle once in a while. So I think they can overcome it. Uh, and it's good to see Chase maybe you know has an extra time to get his to get his legs back at the end of November, early December for the stretch run for this team. My biggest concern, Cheerston, is that. Uh, as much as I'm loving what we're seeing from James Conner, who, again, you know, is 26 years old. He's not old by any stretch, even for a running back. He's never completed a 16-game season fully healthy. Yeah. The best was he got 14 games as a rookie, then 13-10, and then 13 last year. 
And that was the, the primary reason Pittsburgh moved off to him, because when he would play, he was fantastic. He's never averaged less than four yards per carry. As a rookie, remember, he, he just basically stole Le'Veon Bell's uh, job. Or, I'm sorry, the, the second year, 2018, he had 12 touchdowns. He's going to have career highs this year. So my recommendation for Cliff, not that he needs it, is that you almost have to take Chase's touches and maybe move them not to start the game, but throughout the game and give them all to Eno Benjamin. You cannot go to James Conner and ask him, based on his history, to tote the rock 30, 35 times total touches in a game, or he will break down. That's just that's not an opinion. That's not an opinion. That's a fact based on his career. Now well, this year could be an outlier, sure, but I that that is what concerns me. You have to get Eno involved more. Injuries aside, I felt like he probably had a few more touchdowns or touches than he needed on Sunday. At one point, I was definitely like, okay, all right, he's had enough. He's had enough. Enough, enough. <laughs> I know they're hoping to get Jonathan Ward back, and he, he will get touches as well, assuming he's uh, rebounded from that scary injury against the Packers, and then they're going to sign another back for special team purposes. But perfect world. You'd have James Conner starting the game. You'd mix it up with, you know, Ward is the third back coming off following his concussion, and, and you're going to go from there. But, you know, very capable, right? And we talk about, like, I love day three backs for this reason because typically you get an Eno Benjamin, somebody who's very capable, right? And they've done a masterful job. They knew they would have lost him had they put him on their practice squad last year. So they stashed him, right? Let him know the system, blocking assignments, uh, pass catching assignments, not just running the football. And we saw in the preseason, super effective. He's an NFL caliber back. And so I think in a perfect world, James Conner, 20 touches, Eno Benjamin, 10. I think that that's, that's where they should be living uh, if, if they want to have a happy balance until Chase comes back. Yeah, and they do have Tavian Feaster on the practice squad as well, Cliff mentioned. Um, you know, he was just throwing that out there. So they may not have to go out uh, and, and look for somebody else, um, but they certainly have the depth to where, you know, this shouldn't be too much of a concern moving forward while Chase is recovering. All right, well, we told you off the top of the show, we would like to encourage you to download the Drafting Sportsbook app now using the code PHNX. If you bet $1 on either team to score and win uh, you're going to get $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PHNX this week on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And the Cardinals are opening this week as nine and a half point favorites over the Panthers. Johnny, you were mentioning the line moved about six points after Kyler was expected to be out. If he doesn't play yeah. then, um, then that line could definitely move, and I'm sure it will throughout the week. And they're also keeping an eye on Sam Darnold as well. So it's likely going to change a little bit, but that's a little bit of respect for the Cardinals after a big win. Yeah, I, I think so. I expect Kyler Murray to play this week. Um, Carolina's got a whole heap of issues, um, and we'll get to them later in the week. But that number right now is about where I'd have it if Kyler Murray plays. Carolina's defense is legit. No disrespect to them. Um, but I, I think that's a team right now. Matt Rule, Carolina's head coach, looks dejected. Uh, and right now they're, they're, in, they're in a bad place, and the Cardinals are riding high. And they need to 
be playing for the now. They've got Russell Wilson and, and Seattle coming up in about two weeks. So take care of business this weekend. I think, we'll, again, we'll see a lot of James Conner in that game. But nine and a half seems about right uh, for the best team right? best team in football. They've, they've covered almost yep. every week this season outside of the Green Bay game against the spread. So I think they're like eight and eight and one, seven and two at worst against the spread this season. So, I mean, there's no reason to doubt that they are going to cover again. You want to get in on the action again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app using the code PHNX. When you sign up, it's 21 and over though. Arizona only gambling problem called 1-800-NEXT-STEP new customers only eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. And Hey, if you love what we're doing over here at PHNX, you want to help support us. You've been listening to us for the last two months or so and are ready to take the next step and become an official part of the fam by becoming a member. Uh, we would love you to do that as well. You're going to get either a free T-shirt of your choice from the PHNX Locker or your first month for just 50 cents, depending on which option you choose. And I continue to hear that our J.J. Watt-inspired T-shirt um, based on a, a a quote that he had earlier in the season uh, is just flying off the shelves and is one of our best sellers. And Johnny, I think you have one coming in the mail, right? I do. I ordered it. I'm waiting for it. I can't wait to sport it on air. Um, I, I am at the point where I'm going to try to accumulate enough PHNX gear that I can wear it year round. And so I, I've just started that venture um, but that Cardinal shirt, if you haven't seen already, it's freaking fantastic. The folks that have designed it, uh, Cheerson and I were, were in the loop on that and, and have some creative input. And it's exactly, I thought, uh, we thought what the fan base would have wanted to see. The only bummer is Watt's not here, but we can wear it in spirit of Watt. And the message rings true because this team is that damn good. And yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Number two seller on our website behind the madmen that are the coyote fan base because they are just they're out of control in the best possible way. You love to see it though. Their team is struggling mightily and that's putting it yeah. nicely. And they're still it, you know what that speaks volumes to the the folks over at PHNX and DNVR that create the shirts because yeah. the coyotes have some great shirts on our on our website. All right. Well Cliff Kingsbury had some high praise for his defensive coordinator today. Here's what he had to say. Fortunate to have uh, VJ here, who I consider, you know, the head coach of the defense, um, a former head coach who will probably be a head coach again next year, but uh, just a tremendous leader. Anything you know that comes up, we both kind of like, all right, we'll, we'll find a way. Uh, so we both have that approach to just say whatever um, obstacles we face, we're going to find a way and, and try to maximize, you know, who we are as a team and, and, and the personnel we have. All of a sudden, I feel like a Debbie Downer for going here because we're talking about potential players that's not that aren't going to be here next year, potentially, and then potentially defensive coordinator will not be here as well. But we're talking about scenarios here, even after a big win. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said it, so we're going to talk about it because a lot of people are thinking, hey, Vance Joseph is putting on such a show week in and week out with his defense and his ability to to move pieces and to, um, you know, plug and play, you know, even when their starters are out. And, you know, a lot of people are noticing what this Cardinals defense is doing. And so, of course, the head coaching rumors begin to swirl. 
It's a sign of a great team, right? It's the sign of success is you, you inevitably lose personnel and you lose great coaches. Frankie's really excited about it, clearly. Um, but Vance, to me, has been a head coach in waiting since about the first quarter of the season. I wrote an article about it, gophnx.com, about why I think he's primed for another opportunity. Enjoy him while you can. Really, I mean, since that first season, I thought he was really good last year. And Cliff made that point in the bite that I think speaks to what we've talked about, Cheerson, is when he came to the NFL, that being Cliff Kingsbury, he didn't have defensive contacts. So part of the reason Kime was able to secure Vance Joseph right after being fired by the Denver Broncos, Vance had options. Cliff said, you're going to come here. You're going to have some Sam personnel. I'm going to, I'm going to get you players that you want to fit your system and, and you're going to take care of the defense and Cliff will not meddle. And that's exactly what's made this marriage culminate in year three work in the effect of, of eight and one. They're number three in total defense right now. They're th- first in the NFC in takeaways and like they have premium talent and premium players, but I mean it's not it's not an all-star team. It's guys that buy in, right? He makes the most of Marcus Golden, right? He gets the most out of Jordan Hicks, who a lot of teams probably thought was was nearing the end. That's secondary, what they've done with Robert Alford, Marco Wilson, a bunch of spare parts at the defensive line. Like that's all Vance Joseph. So I just I I'm in the same camp. I think that he's gonna get an opportunity this offseason. And, and good for him. He deserves it. But I also know he's he's been pretty adamant that if he takes another job, he's going to be very particular about the position. He's not just going to go run into another job. Because I think uh, Michael Bill is going to have to cut a lot of checks this offseason, I think one of which would be to make Vance Joseph the highest-paid defensive coordinator of the NFL uh, come January, should he decide to stay. There are going to be a bunch of people that need raises. Kyler Murray, Vance Joseph, maybe Sean Coogler. Yeah. So. I'm hopeful that that transpires because I I just think Cliff and he have something really special going in that aspect. But to me, I'm excited about what he's able to do with just, you know, with a bunch of players that are just bought in. And he's developed a lot of these young guys, too. As frustrated as I get with everything that goes on with the inside linebacker position, uh, he plays Zach Allen. He plays Byron Murphy. He plays the kids in the uh, the secondary. Dennis Gardeck, uh, he was an afterthought undrafted player before Vance Joseph. So uh, that's the sign of a great coach is can he take guys, elevate them from young players to noticeable chess pieces, um, and he's able to mix and match better than anybody. I mean, of course, there's a difference between – being a defensive coordinator and being a head coach is one opportunity didn't pan out for him in Denver back-to-back losing seasons and had John Elway admitting, I got it wrong, no offense, but this was not the right guy. And you kind of wonder what exactly went wrong. I was uh, recently reading an article on NFL.com and Vance Joseph said, quote, I think I was hired as a plug and play guy. Uh, everyone was so comfortable with how things were done there from travel to how we dressed that I was almost forced to adapt to their culture. But the reality is the players were different. The team was different. Peyton Manning was gone. Demarcus Ware was gone. We were doing a lot of things as if everything was the same, but it wasn't. Ultimately, it didn't work out because of that. So that's a quote uh, in an article on NFL.com, which I thought was interesting because I know you wonder, you know, how, how could things have gone so bad? And you talk to our friends over at DNVR, they, they act like they've got PTSD from his tenure, uh, you know, as head football coach out there. 
but that that makes a lot of sense and you know it, the grass isn't always greener and to your point where you know he, he wants to make sure it's going to be a right fit or I'm sure sure that he wants to make sure it's a right fit he's got something great going on here in Arizona if he's able to get paid here as a defensive co- coordinator coaching defense which is what he loves to do I don't think he's going to leave for any head coaching job just because he's had a taste of of, hey, I've been a head coach in a place where it just wasn't the right fit. I don't think that, you know, he's just going to grab at any opportunity to be a head coach again that he can get. It's the right move because he has a chance to be particular. And, I mean, as much as we want him to say there's only 32 of these gigs, right, and they don't come up all that often, and he's riding momentum now that he may not be able to match again. This could be the best it gets for Vance Joseph. He may have a respectable career, and they're consistently like sniffing the top 10. But, I mean, he's on pace. This Cardinal team's on pace. Every major statistical category, maybe outside of run defense, they're going to be top five. They're top five in DVOA for defense. And, again, I think it speaks to the fact that a lot of people don't know the Cardinals' defensive personnel outside of Chandler Jones and Buda Baker. So if you compound that and say, well, it must be Vance Joseph, then he's got a lot of clout. From a national perspective, he's been in the NFL. He's he's a former player. He's got everything you want if you're looking at somebody that can come in and take over in an organization and lead by example. Same way he did when Cliff Kingsbury was absent and he had to coach two games for this team and they went 2-0 and were impressive in the process. That Cleveland game is only rivaled by this past Sunday against against the San Francisco 49ers. I think is two of the best wins of the, of the past half decade or so. So uh, to me, we root for success. And the Cardinals want to be known as that organization, right, that graduates coaches and graduates players to success, whatever that looks like. I mean, as much as we dog on Sean McVay and company on this podcast, every offseason, he's graduating a, co- a coordinator or a receiver coach yeah. or a defensive coordinator to, to another position in the NFL. And, and that's the kind of culture the Cardinals want to uh, in, in mirror in the, in the same light. Nobody wants to have an organization where nobody wants to to pick from it because it's not any good if that's the case. So it happened once upon a time uh, with Todd Haley, who went on to be the Chiefs coach with Ken Wisenhunt. Happened with Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians. Todd Bowles, who, by the way, went and won 10 games with the Jets, which seems like crazy talk now. So I I think Vance will get his chance. Uh, I'm hoping it's not next year. I'm hoping we get at least one more season, but who knows? Yeah, you mentioned that not everybody knows names on the Cardinals defense. Probably a guy that gets overlooked is Marcus Golden, but his value to the team and fans that know him here in Arizona, uh, I mean, he's invaluable, truly. He's had nine sacks and 31 pressures already this season. He had three sacks on Sunday, and they call him the junkyard dog for a reason, junk for short, because he brings the physicality and his personality is, is, you know, probably one of the best on the team. He has been one of the most disrespected players from a personnel standpoint in the NFL, I think, for the last half decade. Uh, he was allowed to leave um, following the hiring of Steve Wilkes. If you remember Wilkes, was the head coach uh, named in the the winter of 2018. Marcus Golden was a free agent. He had a phenomenal 2016, which I believe he led the team in sacks, even with Chandler Jones. He had like 12 and a half sacks that season. Got hurt in 2017. 
And then it's 2018, and the Cardinals let him let him reach free agency. And Wilkes and company were like, we're running a 4-3. You don't really fit as a defensive end. So he goes and signs a modest one-year deal, prove it deal with the Giants for like $3.5 million. And he has 10 sacks for the Giants. And you would think, okay, the Giants are going to make him one of the highest paid edge rushers in football. They did not. They allowed him to reach the market like the Cardinals did. No one ca- came calling, right? The Cardinals then went and signed Devon Kennard for this big bloated contract. Didn't have interest in Marcus Golden, right? And then the Giants did something that was super rare. They put they 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 put together like I can't even remember what it's called. I'm trying to look at this article here. It's like the transition tender bullshit. I can't even remember what it was. His cap rate <laughs> was like four point one million dollars. And basically anybody could have came and snatched him up if they matched that and nobody did. And Marcus has even been adamant. He was like, I thought about retiring because all he does is produce, right? He gets consistently consistent pressures. He gets double digit sack seasons and nobody appreciates him. And there are, then there are a bunch of guys in the NFL that can't sack the quarterback like Jadavion Clowney consistently. And they get like 20 million guaranteed. So he's frustrated Thank goodness the Cardinals wisely admitted their mistake. Steve Kime last year brilliantly brought him back for a six-round pick midseason. And then in the offseason, they parlayed that into a two-year modest contract that's going to pay him about $3 million this year and next year. And it is the most shrewd addition in recent memory for Steve Kime, even with everything he did this offseason, which was brilliant, should be the GM of the year. Marcus Golden could very well have 15 sacks this season, making $3 million. He, oh, yeah. Right now, it looks like he's gonna he's gonna have more sacks than Chandler Jones. He should never be allowed to leave this franchise again. I, I think it was only by just pure ignorance that he was hurt, damaged goods. Steve Wilkes, perfect storm. He 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 is the embodiment of an Arizona Cardinal. Wants to bleed red and white for the rest of his career. Just keep him in house, please. Well, yeah, he said earlier in the season that in an interview that the best day of his life was being drafted by the Cardinals. And the second best day was when he was brought back here to Arizona. So he loves this team, loves playing for Arizona. And those are the guys you want to keep around. Not to mention, I will, I would bet money on this that he will lead the team in sacks this year. I don't think Chandler Jones is going to catch up with him, but he did. Chandler did have a sack. He got that monkey off his back. Hadn't had one since week one. And everyone was wondering what the heck was going on. So he got that monkey off his back. And in while he was at it, he broke the franchise record for all-time sacks, which afterwards we saw just how much that meant to him. Uh, he was He looked like he was glowing when he was talking about uh, how excited he was and how it's, you know, going to, it's so such a big deal for his family and they're going to celebrate. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes players will just, they'll, they'll have a milestone and, you know, they'll just kind of shrug it off. But Chandler was not shy about, you know, the fact that that really meant a lot to him. And I'm wondering if this is maybe a turning point for him where, you know, he, he, he had, you know, the, the deal with COVID, he, you know, had the sack drought. Uh, now he had a great game. Now he knows his name is, you know, in Cardinals history books and in record books. And, um, you know, maybe that propels him to having an incredible second half to the season. Maybe that's just what he needed. 
I think so. Uh, I had an opportunity to watch a large portion of that game, especially in the second half. And he looked spry for whatever reason. He looked better than he had in recent weeks. Obviously, he was out with COVID. He said he was fine last week. But even early in the season, outside of the Tennessee game, he didn't quite look right. And in this game, collapsing the pocket, I thought he held his own against Trent Williams. I think this is a performance, to your point, Cheers, that he can build on. He's got now Marcus Golden back as his running mate. Isn't it funny? These are the same two players back in 2016 that both had double-digit sacks. And by all accounts, they're going to run it back in the year 2021. That's, that's just not something that happens in the NFL. I think it's by faith that this has happened. It could be the last year that this happens. So the Cardinals are con- legitimate contenders because they have two bookend pass rushers. And the best recipe for success is pressuring the quarterback, getting turnovers, and getting short fields for the likes of Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray. If you can do that, you can beat Tom Brady. um, You can beat Matthew Stafford. You can beat Dak Prescott, whomever, as long as you can get consistent pressure. And that's what 44 and 55 do for this team. If 44-55 can keep doing what they're doing and towards the end of the season or the postseason, they can get 99 back. Oh, Oh, man. All the double-digit same numbers. I'm right there with you. (laughs) We're certainly still hoping for that. Johnny does not have his tinfoil hat on, but it is. I can assure you that it is sitting next to him. He has not thrown it away. He's still somewhat of a believer. I am. You know what? Until I hear he has surgery, I am of the assumption that J.J. Watt will be back December, January. Uh, Book it. And I think, too, I feel like part of it is like JJ knows this team's going to rattle off like 13 wins and he's going to be able to bide his time getting his strength back and he he can pick and choose his spots, whether that's like week 16, week 17, hopefully round two of the playoffs. If this team has a bye, that's when we'll see number 99 again. Well, we've told you already that the new promo on the DraftKings Sportsbook app for new customers is bet $1 on either team to score in a game, and you can win $100 in free bets. If they do win the team scores, you score. But we also always love same-game parlays when it comes to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you combine multiple bets from the same game, you're always going bigger, gonna be- going to get a bigger payout the more legs you add. The more money you can win, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All right, so how about the team that's sitting atop the NFC West? What happened to the Rams? I don't know. It was great, though. We love it. We love our friends in Tennessee that just went in and gave it an ass-whooping to Sean McVay and company. That was great to see. Very much helps the Cardinals' pursuit of a division title. I can't really explain it other than I think Mike Vrabel is a really good head coach. And I think even without Derrick Henry, they've got a physicality that is evident. You can get pressure on this Ram offensive line. You saw it yesterday with Jeffrey Simmons, uh, their big defensive tackle with three sacks. And Matthew Stafford will have those games where he's skipping balls and and he's throwing picks, making errant throws. I, I still think the Cardinals are better. Outside of head coach, I think they've got better weapons offensively. Certainly think they have the better quarterback. And I I know I know Darnold had a good game yesterday. Donald, Aaron Donald, that is. I, I just I don't think that he and Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller now are enough to stop the Cardinal offense when they're humming. So Rams are probably gonna win like 13, 14 games, but the biggest the biggest uh, factor will be when the Cardinals host the LA Rams later in the season, you know, on uh, I believe it's December thirteenth. 
Monday Night Football. That will be, I think, for the division title that that week, even with four weeks remaining after the fact. So they're still okay. still a great team, but you can be physical with them. So the Cardinals eight and one after completing the sweep over the 49ers, the Rams seven and two, Seahawks three and five, and Niners three and five. But the Seahawks getting Russell Wilson back, so he'll be back for their their meeting in two weeks which will also be an interesting one all eyes will be on that matchup as well even though i don't see them catching up with either the rams or the cardinals it, it should be an interesting matchup it's a little scary i'm with you i don't they're not going to contend for the division uh they're at three wins right now as you said i looked at their schedule though cheerson it is a lot of garbage teams outside of their three matchups with the rams and then two against the cardinals they get maybe the, the Packerless Aaron Rodgers on the road this week. So they're playing Jordan Love, Russell Wilson versus Jordan Love. I like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Then it's a lot of wa- it's a lot of Washington, Texans, Bears, Lions. I'm just saying, like, it would not surprise me to fast forward to week 17. Maybe the Cardinals don't have anything to play for, and the Seahawks maybe win in their end. I just I, I think so little of that organization outside of number three, Russell Wilson. I can't put anything past him. He's going to be a pain in the ass, as always, for the Cardinals to have to play in two weeks. But I, I'm with you. The, the, the Niners and the Cardinals have clearly separated themselves in the division. Yeah, 8-1 and one feels pretty good here in Arizona. We're going to talk about this Arizona-Carolina game throughout the entire week, but for now, I think we've covered everything, and we're going to be talking about that Frank Sanders tattoo a lot tomorrow when all three of us are in the studio. Maybe we can get some, what would you call it, like a, like a mock-up or, you know... A yeah. I'm not drawing. a tattoo guy. Yeah, I have, no, I have zero tattoos. As I told you yesterday, we're not tattoo people. I do have a birthmark, <laughs> but that's about the extent of... Of, well, a drawing, of a, a, a preliminary drawing of what this tattoo would look like. Hopefully, uh, we'll tell Frank to bring it in and, and we can get some votes. Maybe, maybe he can bring a couple in and we can get you guys to vote on which one he should get. There we go. All right. All right. That's what we're doing tomorrow. I'm telling like Frank it. to bring in a couple of drawings and we'll vote on it. Awesome. All right, Johnny, we'll see you tomorrow. And if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts or following us on social media, please hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button at phnx underscore sports.